0: like daniel let me stand like paul let me pray like jesus let me give my life to you when the rest have turned say
1: to you, I choose to fight, I choose to right, I choose to take a stand like those gone on me.
0: for those still lost in sin so I'll press toward the prize with a gleam in my eyes
1: and it's my cry. i turning back until i reach that shore i choose the lord i
2: choose the lord take your bibles no hunty <laughs> After that song, I'm ready to preach. Even, you know what I mean, man. Huh. Talk about the old past. Get on that thing. All right. Well, anyway, we have a preacher tonight, a good one, and so we're going to let him come and preach, and and we'll be glad to hear him. I promise you, we'll be glad that you're hearing him instead of me, Brother Van Horn. We're certainly glad that uh, you could be with us, and uh, again. Uh, Brother Van Horn's a good friend from years ago, and I never knew him before he became one of our missionaries, but through the years, he and I have uh, just got along. We don't see each other much, but like Brother Hamblin and I, we are very dear friends. <laughs> you know, the kind i got a wow out of the uh, crowd on that. Well, it's just, you got to know Brother Hamblin. But anyway, uh, yeah, we don't want to tweet that out, but anyway... Um, uh, he, he and I are good friends in that regard, and uh, uh, we just—he's uh, been a blessing to Community Baptist Temple through the years, if not to you directly, indirectly through his friendship with me. He always calls me Preacher Man. You <laughs> know, hey Preacher Man, how you doing? I just—I kind of like that, you know, because that's kind of what I am—a Preacher Man, you know. And uh, so, anyway, we're glad to have Brother Mike Van Horn, and again, his wife will be with us tomorrow night. You'll be glad to meet her. She's a an amazing lady, and uh, God has just. It's just been so good to her and her family through the years. And, you know, of course, Brother Van Horn. It's just been a blessing to watch him and his family grow older with us. As mm. a, you know, we're, we're getting there, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. We don't know what's next other than he said that he said it's great when he goes to McDonald's. Now he can show him his ID and he gets that, that senior discount.
1: <laughs>
2: <clears throat> he said, that's one thing to look forward to, preacher. And I said, yeah, <clears throat> after that, I think about heaven's all that's left, isn't it? But, uh, well, I'm 53. I mean, I'm,
3: I'm right there. You know. So anyway, you come preach for us, brother. Hey, man, thank you. I, I pulled through an Arby's drive-through the other day and uh, and placed my order and and uh, pulled up to the to the window and the young man looked out and said, "Any senior discounts tonight?" And I said, "Young man, I, I just laughed. I said, I'm three months and 19 days away." And he said, "Wow." He said, "The gray hair and wrinkles sure could have fooled me." I said, "Woo!" <laughs> I said, buddy, I got a great sense of humor, and I think that's hilarious, but you better watch who you say that to. (laughs) My soul, if he'd have said that to my mom, she'd have reached through that window, grabbed him by the throat, and knocked his head off, amen, and she only weighs 100 pounds soaking wet. Oh, boy, it's good to be here. I I thought, man, is Akron getting bad or what? I pulled out of my hotel room today, looked up on this great big billboard, and it said, kill Raiden before he kills you, and I thought, who in the world's Raiden? (laughs) And I remembered Radon, you know, so... (laughs) I thought, Man, this is crazy! <laughs> Starting to look around for this Raiden guy. You know, he must be a bad dude. But anyhow, some of y'all get that. Some of you looking at me like, "Who is this?" <laughs> Amen. Well, one thing for sure, I'm not John Hamlin. <laughs> uh, he's a great preacher, though. And did he use that illustration about the piano up here in his preaching? when he talked about the Holy Spirit guiding him and he said he walked over to the piano and he fumbled around with it then he had the piano player. Wow, what an incredible, incredible um, illustration. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles tonight. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Had a great meal with the other O'Donnell family, Brother Pete and his darling wife, and they fed me with so much chicken. I'm dry as cracker juice. My throat's all coagulated because they made me eat pecan pie with ice cream. It was a force, wasn't it? They didn't eat any, but I did. But it was good. I had a wonderful time, uh, reminiscing some of the some of the old times and going to college at 65 years old. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Man, I, I just think that is absolutely incredible. Um, Luke chapter 5, stand with me tonight. I pray that this will uh, uh, be a help to you. Um, it was a help to me uh, last night as I I put it all together. I was thinking I was going to preach it this morning, <clears throat> and uh, the Lord had me uh, preach the other message this morning. Uh, so I want to. Uh, I guess maybe the Lord wanted this one for the the main church, and I know the Sunday night crowd is the um, the backbone of the church. You're the workers. Many of you don't even get to sit in on the Sunday morning service because you're out and about uh, doing that that great work and uh, seeing folks saved. And how we ha- how many we have saved today? Was there a, a Amen. I'm sure there was some people saved all over the grounds. And I thank the Lord for it. There is almost every Sunday. We're thankful for it. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 tonight. Familiar passage. Uh, The Bible says this. Now, when he had left speaking. Of course, this he is Christ. He said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draw. And Simon answered and said unto, unto him, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down... That. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you tonight. I thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the good time we can have uh, in your house, Lord, with your people, uh, sur- uh, surrounding your word of God, surrounding, Lord, the, the great feast that we can have in the scriptures here. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would please just uh, remove me out of the way. Lord, I need you just to take my body into my mouth and my mind, Lord, and just um, just use it, Father, tonight to speak to these dear people. Again, I'm thankful for this church um, and, Lord, what this church has meant to many of these people. Many of these people sitting in this room today may not have ever heard the gospel had it not been for Community Baptist Temple and pastor and his wife and family's burden to reach the lost here in Akron. So we pray now, Lord, that you'd please just help tonight in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. I'm not usually very good at putting titles to messages and and different things like most... um, polished preachers do i'm not much of a polished preacher i do call him preacher man when i call him up i just i'm glad i can have preacher friends that i can just i can just be mike van horn with amen Uh, i like being mike van horn whether i'm in the pulpit whether i'm driving my car whether i'm on the airplane whether i'm talking to another pastor i just like to be who i am all the time Amen. amen that way i don't have to remember what i was when i was talking to you i can just be who i am uh, sometimes that gets me in trouble, believe me, but uh, uh, it 's still good, but i I got to thinking about this message this morning or this uh, last night as I was putting it together, and I thought about the title "Fishing without Jesus: Fishing without Jesus." I began to think again, and it 's really ironic I, I love the way all this works as, as many different times when you 're coming into a meeting such like this, what the lord 's put on the preacher 's mind, the pastor 's mind he 's already placed on on my mind. Uh, I was always, or I was thinking about having a missions revival instead of a missions conference. I, I, I really had been. We uh, Down in uh, South Georgia, I get the privilege, or East Georgia, actually West Georgia, somewhere there in Georgia, um, Franklin, Georgia, it's East Georgia, and West Alabama, it's right there on the, boarding, on the border. You're either in Alabama time or Georgia time, depending on what side of the road you live on. Um, but we had a mission revival for the last couple of years there at that church, and it's really been incredible. Uh, some of us, if we could just get a good dose of a southern, I mean a genuine southern church. I'm not talking about a southern Baptist, southern Baptist. I'm talking about a Baptist in the southern hemisphere of this world. and Go to a good southern Baptist meeting. Hallelujah. We can have a good time. Amen. I mean, they'll, they'll shout it out. Some of them might even get up and take a lap. Now, that'll make a lot of us folks up here nervous. <laughs> but I'm telling you something, that it, the worship is real. It's just different than we worship here. We can be silent in our seat and worship the same as they can be by shouting it out up and down one side the other. But we've had mission revivals, and, and I began to think about this, uh, this mission revival this week and, and, and what we need. I, I thought last night about the elements needed for revival really are, are elementary, and I thought I'd look at them uh, through a couple different thoughts in this passage. First of all, I think we need to have a craving for revival. I think we need to have a craving. We have to want it. We have to, to want a revival. Now, now really, uh, I heard one preacher once say, uh, many of us just need a viving <laughs> because revival is bringing something back to life that's already been alive and is just kind of back down here laying, but a viving, some of us are still just dead. Uh, but a revival is to bring us back to a place maybe where you, you just got saved and you realized it. You remember that day when you realized all your sins were gone? You no longer had to worry about going to hell. You knew according to the scriptures that you were forgiven. You knew your name was written down in heaven and you were excited about it. You remember those days? You remember the first days when you would start coming to church after you'd been saved and every single song, maybe many times you'd begin to cry when some of the songs were sung. And, and, and as you'd read those words, you couldn't even read and couldn't even sing them because you were all choked up about that grace, that amazing grace of God and the goodness of God and how that revival was in your heart. When's the last time you had a spark of that? Without that kind of a spark, without that kind, and I'm not an emotional type kind of guy, I'm really not, but without that type of feeling down deep in your, in your soul, I really wonder whether you can be revived. Revival is incredible. You know what revival really is? It's just enjoying your salvation. <laughs> Do you enjoy your salvation? Do you enjoy your walk with the Lord? Do you enjoy what you're doing? It's like, why not? Why not enjoy what we do? Do you realize that being a Christian, no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens to us, one day we're going to be just like Jesus? Just like Him. When we see Him, we'll be just like Him. That means we can walk through walls. Hallelujah. That'd be all right, won't it? It means we can eat anything we want to and don't have to worry about cholesterol, brother. Hallelujah. (laughs) And we're going to get to eat. Jesus ate. He had fish down on the shore, didn't he? So we're going to get to eat just because we want to, Brother Dave. That's pretty cool. Amen. Them poor doctors, they're not going to have a job anymore. Amen. Them nurses, nothing. We're good to go. We're going to have a time of our life. Amen. You won't have to worry about sticking your ear up to the window and listen to somebody talk because you can just hear what they say. You can be anywhere, everywhere. It's going to be incredible. We're going to be just like him. We're going to get to spend eternity in heaven with the people we won to Christ. I think they're going to want to be around us. Don't you think they're going to want to come up and say, Oh man, I'm so glad you knocked on my door. Thank you for talking to me that day. Thank you for not being afraid. Thank you. I think that's going to be pretty cool. But we've got to have a craving down inside our heart for revival. I think we've got to have a, a group of individuals or a single individual who believes revival can take place, praise that it will. And lives like it has in their own life. That's the type of revival we need in our text verse. There's really one that has a desire for revival. And I guarantee you it wasn't Peter. Jesus wanted a revival, didn't he? Jesus expected a revival, and he also knew that there would be one because he's the creator of the universe. He is the God of heaven. He's the one that came into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to spark revival, to start revival in the hearts of 12 men. I love the book of John. John chapter 14, you see Jesus, and he's dealing, 14 through 16, he's dealing with 12 men. I pray not for the world, he said. He said, I pray for these 12 that you gave me out of the world. Why did he just pray for the 12? Because praying for the 12 preachers, he was praying for the world. Jesus knew that there would be a revival. And he knew that he would offer himself as the ultimate sacrificial lamb. Next, I believe there has to be a secure mind for revival. A mind that's steadfast in it. A mind that, that uh, uh, decides to take action. We're going to have real revival. You know what? We're going to have to take action tomorrow morning. Amen.
1: <laughs>
3: That's what it's going to start. And tomorrow morning is going to be the time when the devil hits the hardest. Maybe even tomorrow afternoon when you show up and the car won't start, or the, or, 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 or something happens at the job, and, and and all those crazy things. That's when the devil's going to come back at you about revival. I like marking in my Bible. I just noticed sitting over here. I, I have some verses underlined. And I make notes in my Bible. I don't know if you do or don't. It helps me. It, it kind of reminds me what God said to me when I, when I read these different verses. If you don't like writing your Bible, just get a sticky note. Put a sticky note in there. But write down what God speaks to you during your your, your, your devotional times. So you go back. And, and in verse 14 of, of chapter number 4, the Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit... Into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him. And I wrote down, God help me tell the world of his fame. (laughs) Just to tell the world of his fame. Well, the secured mind uh, behind a revival decides to take action in launching a personal revival, which can overflow into a church wide revival. Ever ever get around somebody who's just on fire for God? (laughs) You either want to get next to them or get away from them, one or the other, right? Yeah, Yeah, I know what you mean. Amen. but then I believe it can overflow into a revival on a national scale. Now, here's what Dr. Keene said. I've, I've, really, I've read two of his three books in the last, in the last um, week, <coughs> week and a half. Um, and the only reason I didn't read the first one is because it's not on Kindle. Uh, I ordered the two on Kindle and read them while I was flying. I, uh, and it was his first book I started to read and didn't get it finished before I read the other two. But he said this, the world does not read the Bible, but the world does read Bible readers. What a statement! We may be the only Bible our neighbors ever read. <laughs> I got a neighbor, Wayne and Cindy. I've witnessed to Cindy. I believe Cindy may have gotten saved. She never bothered. She never told me, um, but her husband is just—I mean, he is as dead set against getting one of the nicest country bunkins you'll ever want to meet. I mean, a nice guy. I love the guy. We talk all the time. I've witnessed to him on several occasions. He. He showed me uh, uh, pictures of his truck He had just gotten in an accident He said one more foot And he said she would have hit me right in the door And I said Wayne I said I go all around this world Telling people how to miss hell I said do you know for sure If you'd have been in heaven If you died that night And he said well you know what He said she took out my left front tire too Please pray for Wayne Cindy I'd love to see him saved But you know what They know They'll ask me, how long are you home for this time? Said, well, I'm going to be home a whopping three days. And he just laughs and shakes his head at us. going around the world telling people about Jesus. He knows nobody's going to be home Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. He knows that we're going to invite him to the special days. He knows. He just knows. Um, I really like I like what that statement. Notice that Christ was secure in the fact that there would be a great revival. Of course, again, it was because he was God. And surety in starting this revival, including... The help included the help of Peter and the other disciples, but it started with one person, and that was Peter. Now, when you look at your all four of your Gospels and bring these things together, you'll see that that was the same time that Andrew had brought Jesus or introduced Jesus to Peter. It was all that beginning. Christ had just come out of Galilee, just come out of that period, being tempted in the wilderness. And He goes into that wilderness temptation, being full of the Spirit of God. But after a 40-day fast, hallelujah, He comes out in His power. Amen. comes out in the power of the Spirit. And then he began to gather in his disciples. Now uh, I don't know if you if you really think about this thing, and we've got to put it into into human perspectives because Peter's just a man. He he's no different than you and me he had. Uh, And no doubt when he got those blisters from pulling in those nets, his hands hurt like crazy with that salt water. No doubt his back would hurt. No doubt the sun would scorch him. And no doubt he he felt all the aches and pains of a regular working man. And no doubt he had different doubts about things and had his own way of thinking. And and do we really think that that his his, uh, brother Peter or his brother Andrew would just say, this is Jesus. And and Peter would say, wow, I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. That's not the way it happened. Jesus let, or uh, um, Peter uh, allowed Jesus to get into his boat. They pushed off the shore, and Jesus preached. And the word of God began to touch his heart and soften his heart. That's exactly what happened. It began to touch his heart. So it was the preaching that caused obedience. We see in our scriptures where Peter would say, Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down thy net. No doubt Peter knew there was something different about this man, but he still... And here Jesus said, come on, Peter, launch back out into the deep. Peter said, look, we've been out here working all night long, fishing without Jesus, and we haven't caught a thing. Well, young missionaries, don't you dare go to your field and try and do it with your techniques. Don't you dare try and go to the field because of who you are, who your daddy is. Brother Edwards, wherever you are, you've got a great daddy. I love him. But your daddy's not going to get you anywhere on the mission field. You're going to have to be filled with the Spirit of God. You're going to have to believe that a revival can take place. You're going to have to let everybody around you know that you believe in this Jesus. And get him in your boat. Well, Peter got him in his boat and said, Well, we'll go out. Now I really wonder what he was thinking, Brother Pete. We're going to go out here and we're going to throw out our net. Just like we've been doing all night long. Jesus said nets, and Peter threw down a net, and you've heard that preached many times before. So if we want to call it partial obedience, we'll call it partial obedience. But Peter took action, didn't he? And I believe it was because of the preaching. There's no doubt in my mind, every time the preaching of the Word of God takes place anywhere, that you need to make a decision. And by the way, you will make a decision either to decide to or not to, to act upon the... What God's telling you to do. That's the beauty of what I do. It's the beauty of what preachers do. I don't, it's not my responsibility to make you move. I get the privilege to tell you what God showed me in my prayer closet, what I've applied to my life, and I know it works, and to explain to you the goodness of God and what God wants from us and what we can have after we receive it, and then it's up to you to either make a move, throw out some nets, or not. But then, after he just obeyed and threw out his net, guess what happened? The miracle took place. I believe, Brother O'Donnell, I may be wrong, but I believe it was the miracle. When those fish all over the place, so much fish, he he couldn't get them all in. He had to call for help. Had to call for help. He just had faith enough to do what God said because of the miracles. You want to have a mission revival? I'm going to preach if the Lord allows me out of Isaiah chapter 58 sometime this week. I haven't got it put together yet, but I got it up here. Talking about fasting and talking about sacrificing. You want to have a revival in your heart? Put your wallet in the offering plate. They didn't like it when Jesus preached about money either, so you're not making me nervous, amen. <laughs> but he preached more about money than he did anything else. Because until he gets your money, he won't have your heart. That's it. Yeah. And until he gets your money, he can't give you his. And boy, does he want to bless you. I was reminded last night about Malachi 3.10. If we could just get the church members to start tithing. You know, we wouldn't even have to have a mission program if all the church members tithed. You really wouldn't. If you did the math, if everybody in the church would tithe at least 10% on what God gave them on their increase and everything, there'd be enough for the bills, there'd be enough for the building, there'd be enough for the missions. You wouldn't even have to stand up here and preach on mission giving. But we have a hard time getting people to believe God, to have faith in God, and to throw out the net, the simple net of tithing. Bring ye in. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith. He said, give me a try. Amen. Who else better to try than God? Give me a try. Don't try the stock market. You'll probably lose. <laughs> don't don't try the lottery. My pastor Atkins used to tell us that that was just a tax on the stupid. Amen. <laughs> Uh-oh, some of y'all are saying, checking your pockets for your cards right now. I, like, I don't want him to see this one. <laughs> I won 10 bucks off this, baby. <laughs> Cost you 250 to win that 10, but hallelujah, you're a winner. <laughs> Prove me now herewith, Say the, sayeth the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I was counseling with a, a young person a few weeks ago. Or actually, I think it was just last week. And that young person began to to tell me of all their plans and all their different things. And and I said, boy, that's great. I said, "Um, are you tithing? Oh, it got real quiet. I said, well, I said, you've been taught all your life that you're supposed to tithe. I said, so until you start tithing, don't expect God to bless any financial endeavor you go into. And then, you know what, really? If you start tithing and God doesn't bless you, us preachers could just throw our Bibles away because that's a promise of God. God says He's going to bless you. Now, you may not get checks in the mail, but your health may clear up. Your tires may last longer than they used to. God's going to bless you. He said He would. Well, next, as we're looking at these elements, I believe we have to have a conquering spirit. Most people today are living in a conquered spirit. They've allowed... The devil to conquer them. They've allowed their problems to overtake them. When's the last time you thanked God for your problems? Yes, sir.
2: Yep. yep.
3: In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Simple promises only found when you open up your book and read it. In everything, give thanks. I remember my little brother and I, before I went in the ministry, was fixing up an old house to sell. We were trying to flip it. I did not do good in the flipping houses industry. Boy, those things flipped me is what they did. It was the Lord preparing me to get me broke enough to become a missionary, amen? It's best to be a broke missionary when you start. Then you got to trust God with everything, hallelujah. And uh, anyhow, we, we did all this work and got the thing up for sale and it sat there for a couple months and. And uh, I get a phone call from my real estate agent, and uh, they said, Mike, you have a small problem out at the house you may want to go check out. So obviously my idea of a small problem and theirs was two different stories. I opened up the front door and water comes gushing out. I said, yep, this is a problem. (laughs) So I walked in standing in six inches of water, uh, I mean water just pouring. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't know why or what, but I want to thank you for it. Had no idea whether I had insurance that would cover a flood. No idea, nothing. I just said, Lord Jesus, I don't know what you're up to, but I want to thank you for this trial. Help me, Lord, to see what you're up to in the thing. Went down, stood in about four inches of water and hit the main power switch real quick and survived it. Amen. It didn't get me. I don't know whether that was the smartest thing to do or not, thinking back on it. Went down to to the insurance company and sure enough, covered as could be. Made enough money on the insurance claim to put a new kitchen in it. Sold within a month or two. You know Who knows what would have happened had I not? Uh, now, that's just a simple real estate issue, but it could have financially devastated us. But um, there's, other, uh, there's other issues we could thank the Lord for. Uh, one of our missionaries, Brother Scotty Hardison, Miss Sheila. Miss Sheila was 37 years old when she was diagnosed with cancer. And, boy, that cancer just ate her up like this. I mean, it just ate her up. And uh, Miss Sheila would look at me the night before she'd go home with the, to be with the Lord, li- literally, on an IV drop with anesthesia medicine. The doctor says, this is crazy. This woman should be knocked out cold. And she's smiling and laughing and saying, God just put me in a different ministry, took me out of the juvenile prison and put me into a hospital. She had an incredible testimony. She wrote a little book while she was in in the hospital the last couple of uh, three or four days about Sheila's hope. And uh, Scotty would say at the funeral that Sheila lost her hope today because her hope became a reality. Amen. But Sheila, Miss Sheila, would, would just praise the Lord the whole time through this thing. Nurses were saved, amen? People saw a display of God's amazing grace, like you can't even imagine how many people's lives were affected. Pastor Lonnie Moore, as his pastor would come in and and uh, brother moore would would sing to him at the top. Brother Lonnie only has two volumes, and that 's off and wide open. I mean he sings it 's like wow, your hair's back here like this, you know, but he can flat sing it 's beautiful and he was in there in her room the Thursday morning before she died and and singing a great a great uh, song of Zion, and then would tell her that he had to leave and and he would step out and Miss Sheila would look over at her husband Scotty and smile and say, here they come. And Scotty said, the kids, they're on their way, honey. They'll be here in a minute. And she would turn her face back forward, close her eyes, <laughs> and get carried <laughs> off into glory with her maker. Now, Scotty's been using her story to win people to Jesus. And one day he'll be reunited with her. And it's absolutely incredible. There's no sense in living with a conquered spirit. We should have a conquering spirit. Last time I checked, God's still on the throne. I know one thing. I saw a sign on the way up here. We sure do not need Donald Trump to make America great again. We do not need Donald Trump to make America great again. I'll tell you what we need is a bunch of born-again Bible-believing Christians to grab the horns of God and get a revived spirit and get the gospel to every creature and then just do it. right, amen. Revival right here in your heart, in your spirit will pass on to those around you, can overflow into the church house, can cause this church house to do great and mighty things. I can't wait till you all get to the carousel. That's going to be incredible. Brother Pete's been telling me about some of the the people just coming up to check out what's going on at the carousel. My soul, you guys might as well sell popcorn there at the front gate. Hallelujah. (laughs) Popcorn for Jesus, amen. (laughs) It's a carousel. But first, before we can have a missions revival, we have to have a church-wide revival. We have to have a time where where we have church members praying and fasting. Those are all still in the elements. God allowed me the privilege to write, write a book on the practical guide to biblical fasting. If you're a preacher, pick a copy up. It's free. It's for you. If you're a Sunday school teacher, go ahead and grab you a copy too. If you're someone in here that, that, that just wants a copy, go ahead and grab it. Uh, it's no problem. I, I, I'll give them to you. That's, that's no problem. Because you know what I want? I want the church praying and fasting again. What if we had 30 men in this church right here that came to your pastor and said, I'll fast every first Monday of the month. Somebody says, I'll fast every second Tuesday of the month and go right around the clock, 24-7 every single month, around the clock, every year. And all you got to do is fast once a month. And all of a sudden, you have a church that is fasting and praying every single month around the clock 24-7. What could happen? Some incredible things could happen. I promise you. I promise you. Dr. Keene said this. He said, they could not have taken the Bible out of the schools of America if it had not not already taken them from our homes. And then he said, it's sad but true. We as Christians ought to have our revival in our heart, our conquering spirit, but we're not going to have it if we're not reading our Bibles and praying at home. We're really not. And then our families need revived as well. When's the last time at home you shouted glory to God for your salvation in your house? Behind closed doors, there's a lot of crazy things that goes on. A lot of stuff that goes on. Yeah. When's the last time you shouted glory to God and thanked Him for a copy of the Scriptures? When over 3.6 billion people in this world don't even have a copy in their language. You thanked Him for your salvation. For the privilege to be taught about separation and the security that we have as believers and the privilege that we have to share His good news. Hallelujah. When's the last time you went around the dinner table talking about the goodness of God or just speculating on what heaven's going to be like? Do you ever just think about what heaven's going to be like? Or what this thousand-year rule and reign's going to be? I I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. I think it's going to be pretty cool. No doubt about it, because I'm going to have a body like Jesus means I'm not going to be able to sin. Amen. Amen. And, and we're going to be down here, so uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll let me have a Harley again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> be pretty cool, right in my heart. I'll have a beard back because I'll be just like Jesus. Amen. My preacher, my preacher, told me the very first thing I was called to preach. He said the beard's got to go. I said, Well, what happened? Amen. I'm going to be praying for. You. He said, No, beard's got to go. I said, Okay. So I shaved my beard off, and then my wife wouldn't let me grow it back, so. Here I am, so I have to wait till I get to heaven to get a beard again. <laughs> When's the last time you just speculated on things and talked about maybe even Peter's boat ride? What would it would be like. Talk about the Bible. He only put part of it in here. We were talking this afternoon after the service with someone out there about, about Lazarus, the other Lazarus that had died. Amen? And came back from life or from the dead, from the dead. And people knew that he was dead, didn't they? Yeah, it was you and me, brother, wasn't it? Uh, and we're talking about this, and 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 who knows? I, I don't. Peter or, or uh, this fellow may have just. I don't know whether he saw heaven or not. Maybe you know, and I don't. Go ahead and tell me. But but the the one thing about it is, um, he came back from the dead. The poor guy had to die twice. You know, but what was he doing? I don't know. It's good to think about stuff like that, isn't it? You want revival? I think we need to do some things like that. When's the last time you could not wait to pick up your Bible and read it? I've been enjoying this here for the last while. I've been taking my Bible and it'll cause you to search your scriptures a little more. As I read my Bible, I'm putting a title to every chapter that I read. It's pretty neat. I'm not following the headings in my, my Bible and not looking at the different things that they wrote about. I have a Cambridge Bible. It just has little notes on the top like Christ healeth the sick or the leper healed there. But when I read a chapter, I like to write down what God speaks to my heart about it. I just started in Jeremiah. It's really pretty interesting because you know what's had to happen a couple times, brother? I'll tell you what's happened is I got clear through a chapter and didn't even know what I read. So I had to go all the way back through that chapter, start again just to get a title. But I think it's a blast. I love it. I'm having a blast. When's the last time you just couldn't wait to read your Bible? When's the last time you showed anyone, anybody, how to go to heaven? I know this church is an absolutely great soul winning church, and I know it is. But when's the last time you personally told somebody about Christ? And us missionaries, uh, uh, it's not just our field of service where we're to be soul winners. We're to be soul winners on an airplane. At McDonald's, wherever we go, we're to be soul winners. Because if you're not winning somebody to Jesus where you are right now, what makes you think you'll win them at the Lord on on the field? That's That's right. Amen. Well, Peter's revival started when he witnessed the miracle and he recognized who was in his boat. See, that's the key element, church. Who was in his boat? Did you see what he did in Luke chapter five? And when, the, uh, when they had uh, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and the net break. If um, you trusted Christ as your Savior, He lives inside of you. But do you know who He is? I mean, have you ever, have you ever really studied Him? There's a book by Lee Strobel. It's called A Case for Christ. I, I carry a couple copies with me everywhere I go when I go on my planes and plane rides and so on. And there's no doubt I'm going to run into an atheist. And I give him a copy of A Case for Christ. I said, you really ought to read this. It's incredible. A, uh, a reporter, an investigative reporter from the Chicago Tribune, his wife gets saved. They were both atheists. His wife gets saved. And there was such a drastic change in her life that he put Christ on trial for, for uh, two years, 600 days. He put Christ on trial. It's absolutely amazing some of the stuff he found. In the chapter about the medical part of it, oh, my soul rocked my world. Just a, a forensic doctor that worked in, the, uh, in an autopsy lab at a forensic clinic uh, would describe the pain and the horrificness that Christ went through. You know, that's where we get our word excruciating. The definition was given pain as out of the cross. They didn't have a word to describe the type of pain he went through, so they made one up, excruciating. And they talk about that, that pain when the, the nail went through his, through his, right right about there in this cartilage of his wrist and, and his, his palm. And, and they said that that pain, he said, could you describe it? And, and that forensic doctor began to describe about your funny bone. How many know ever get a good old whack on the funny bone and how bad that hurts? He said, picture someone taking the nerve that's on your funny bone, grabbing it with a pair of pliers, squeezing it as hard as they can, and then twisting it. He did that so you and I could go to heaven. And we're afraid to tell someone about Christ? We're afraid to fall in love with Him, the Word? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Well... It is He, Jesus, that gives the miracle of salvation. Now He just wants to use our boat as the device to display the gospel to the lost. If He's in your boat, let Him shine. Amen? Let Him sit up on the top. The sad truth is, many of our churches have become nothing more than a place of social activities for a group of people who have chosen the God of the Bible as their Savior, but not necessarily as their Master. That was a tough one to write, Brother Herman, let alone to say to a church... But it is. I travel all over this country. I, I, see the, I see the revival spark going out in the Philippines. I do. I see it. it. When I first started going to the Philippines, the churches would be packed. The altars would be filled. People would, would be in church all day long. They'd, they'd sing and they'd shout. And it's like, wow. And eight years later, it, it's going out. It, it's, it's not like it used to be. And it really grieves my heart. It really does. But Jesus needs to be your master. I'm not talking about lordship salvation. I'm not talking about that at all. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, believe that he died on the cross, was buried, rose again three days later, and you accept him and him alone as your blood sacrifice for your sin, you're born again. There's nothing you can do about it. Amen. You can try all you want to to get out of that contract, but you're done. It's fixed. It's settled. You're going to heaven like it or not, baby. It's there. It's done but you want to enjoy the goodness of God and make Him your master. Let Him teach you to rejoice when bad times come. Let Him teach you those things. How does the church fulfill the great commission when many, if not all the members, don't even have enough faith in the man and the boat to tithe? Let alone to give above and beyond. We ought to teach these young guys, did you know if you make 10 bucks you need to put a dollar on the offering plate? If you don't know it, you do now. You know Why? Because you put that dollar in the offering plate and you just watch what God will do. He'll turn that $9 into a great big more heap of blessing than you would if you kept that other buck. I promise you. Biblical principles, kids. Teach. Learn how to tithe while you're your age. Learn how to give your money to missions. I watched my son literally for one year give half of everything he owned. I said, son, I said, try God one time. Just put in the offering plate 50% of everything that comes your way. He started doing it. My soul. It blew my mind. People would come up to him and give him money. It was absolutely incredible. You know what he does today at church? He tithes and he gives to missions. He loves giving. He's a general manager of a dealership at age 29. Amen. How can a missionary get to field when the churches are floating around in stagnant water? You see, before Peter put Jesus in his boat... They toiled all night and caught nothing. Nothing. You don't have to soul win on your own, church. That's the good news. I operate on nudges. Anybody know what a nudge is? (laughs) Don't waste your time operating in your own spirit. You'll be going up and down streets all over the place, going everywhere and anywhere, which is that's all fine too. But when you operate on a nudge, it's pretty cool. Holy Ghost of God just says, this one over here. You know what I mean? <clears throat> put a track over here. I was in an airport in um, Istanbul. I mean, turban heads, turban wraps all over the place and Muslims and I mean, it's the capital of the place, you know, and, and uh, I'm, I planted about a hundred silent preachers all over that airport and the Lord told me to throw one away. <laughs> Isn't that weird Brother the day? He said, throw one away. So I walked past the first trash can and he said, I told you, to throw one away I said okay Lord I went over and put it on top of the right on top of the trash who knows we may find some former Muslim in heaven that works the trash dump at the Istanbul airport I don't know I work on those nudges they toiled all night long and didn't catch anything well, the truth is it's very hard to love people that you've never met how can you love people prisoners from Madagascar how could you possibly, as a church, as an individual, love the Muslim people? How can you have a love and a desire for them to go to heaven? How can you love for, for uh, uh, the prisoners that have, have committed horrific crimes, some that you can't even really speak of? They're, they're just so horrific. How can you love that type of person? You really You really can't, but you know what? If you love the one... <coughs> That loves them, then missions will become a part of your life. You see, I love the one that's in the boat that performs the miracle, Brother Edwards. That's the one I love. And and it it helps me to love the unlovable when, when God says, if I love them, you can love them too. How can we love them? Well, because Jesus loves them, because He has a love for missions. Let's worship our Master of our salvation. Let's do what Jesus, or what Peter did. What did he do? He fell at his feet. It's exactly what he did. He fell at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, the Bible says um, in verse number 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help him. And they came... And filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. When Jesus gets in your boat, and you recognize the master of the miracle. When you get back to the shore, and he says, Come on, fellas. I got something to show you we're going fishing for men and then you know what a missions revival will break out in this place like you can't even imagine missions is incredible we have the opportunity here from this church to tell people about the lord jesus around the world israel you folks have been preaching to prisoners this year alone in madagascar in zambia You've been preaching to prisoners in Hungary, in Albania, in Philippines, in Cambodia. Monday, I'll get back on that crazy airplane and fly back to the Philippines. And you've been preaching and spreading the gospel, Brother Herman, as well, all around this world just through one missionary. Now, hallelujah, glory to God. I can't wait till we start supporting somebody going to Israel. And and Nepal, hallelujah, right there in the... Man, right next to China, man, that's incredible. And we can have a mission revival that will just break out of the banks. Dr. Keene said this, and I'm done. My definitions of missions is this. The church, in cooperation with Jesus Christ, in His present effort to bring the creation of God back under His dominion for His pleasure, and it's good. Boy, I like that. God just wants his, wants his youngins back, Amen. As I, I believe it was um, uh, John Jenkins up in Michigan that said that in that great message. What a God! Oh, my soul! What a message! He said, "God just wants his youngins back, Amen, for His pleasure and their good, for our good." Well, I know one thing: you'll be certainly glad at the judgment seat of Christ if you get heavily involved in missions. That's one time I can't wait for. Not because I'll get the crowns, but because when I read, according to the scriptures, I get to have me a time where I give them back. Amen. I don't know. We had a preacher down at one of our national conferences. By the way, this coming, um, this coming uh, August, first week of August, preacher, our 40th year. Be a great time to take your wife on a vacation. Come to South Carolina and go to our National Rock of Ages Conference. Get a whole group of people. Come on down. Um, I don't have a clue why I said that. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Anybody know what I was talking about before I got hung up on that? Come on, boys. Are you listening? Huh? Judgment seat in Christ. Thank you. The preacher, um, Ricky Gravely, preached. And he said, I don't know what it's going to be like. He said, was this yours or mine? I think that might have been mine. He said, I don't know what it's going to be like up in heaven. He said, we may be just hanging out down at the river. and We may, may hear our name called. All right, Van Horn, your turn. Come on. All we got is eternity. He said, come on down to the throne room. Hallelujah. But only one goes. Not all three come running like this is your life or whatever that door is. <laughs> and we may just get to sit around with Jesus for a couple hundred years listening to all the things. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Malachi 3.16 that there's books are being written every time we think on him. Some of us are going to have some volumes of books to go over with Jesus volumes. Man, we're going to get to spend a whole heap of time with him while others may uh, just get a brief moment of that personal individual time with him. I don't know what it's going to be like. I really don't. I like thinking about it. Amen. Preacher, you come.